0: From Toronto, Canada, the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. I am not Richard Serrett. This is Donald Jeffries, your guest host. Um, I am a—you may recognize me. I'm an author of books like Hidden History, Survival, of the Richest, and my brand new book, Crimes and Cover-ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963. Uh, later on, a little bit later on, we're going to have a television pioneer, the creator of the hit show Real People, John Barber, who's also a noted JFK assassination researcher. We'll be talking a little bit about show business as well as the Kennedy assassination and maybe a little politics. But first, last month, uh, this conspiracy show began a regular new feature. The second Sunday of every month, we're joined by David John Oates to discover a reverse speech. David was the first person to ever document speech reversals in human speech in nineteen eighty three and has worked extensively since then on research and development as well as maintaining a therapeutic and consulting practice. He's had an active career spanning twenty-four years furthering the field of reverse speech as his full time occupation. He's developed new theories and designed therapeutic and training techniques. David is a co-host of Reverse Speech Radio. David, welcome. I uh, know you explained reverse speech to our listeners last month, but I'm new to this program, and I'm also kind of new to this. So just take a couple of moments and explain what reverse speech is, how it works, and what it reveals.
1: Sure. Let me me do exactly that. Okay, so basically what I'm proposing is a brand-new theory of language. I'm claiming that language is twofold, forwards as well as backwards. And as the human brain is putting the sounds of speech together, it's doing it in such a way that we're saying two things at once, one forwards and one in reverse and what i'm literally doing is recording speech and running it backwards and when you run speech backwards i mean you may think it's all a whole lot of gibberish and in many cases it can be gibberish but periodically scattered throughout the, that gibberish can be heard very clear english phrases that are uh, generally related to the forwards and are grammatically correct and um I've been researching this for 35 years now. I started um, I started way back in '84 with uh, hearing about uh, those uh, rumours of satanic messages in rock and roll. Which yes, yes, yeah. And uh, so I started looking at that and playing my records backwards, and uh, and I accidentally stumbled across it in human speech a few months later, and uh, it was. And actually, what what I'll do is what I'm going to play you the very first example I found in human speech. Because, okay. Uh, it's very appropriate for this time. It's on Neil Armstrong taking his first steps on the moon. And we've just had the 50th anniversary, of course, of the moon landing. So we'll here are his very first words. It's one
2: small
1: step for man. One giant leap for mankind. And when we need to play it backwards, we hear him say quite clearly, man will spacewalk. have do you hear that sir Yes, yeah, yes i do and there we go and of course as he stepped on the moon he's thinking man will continue to walk into space we have begun our destiny in space man will spacewalk it's a grand statement based on a grand event that was the very first reversal i found in speech back in 87 and uh, that put me on a whole new journey uh, it's one thing to hear it in music. It's sort of an interesting little odd to, you know, you play it for your friends when they come around, they go, ooh, ah, you know, but then to hear it in speech puts a whole different twist on it altogether. And uh, so I started researching human speech and uh, found it to be prolific. I mean, here's an example on Angelina Jolie. This shows what I call the... Complementary nature of reverse speech. One of the first things I noticed was that the reverse speech and the forced speech related to each other. They had this direct contextual relationship. So uh, here's an obvious one.
2: I grew up kind of very, uh, very aware of my own emotions.
1: Let me run this in reverse. Here, you tell me what you're saying. Listen, listen carefully.
3: I'm very aware.
1: I'm very, very
0: aware. I'm very aware.
1: What do you hear?
0: I'm very aware
1: yeah exactly right i'm very aware yeah so she <laughs> so we have this direct contextual relationship one thing forwards i grew up very aware of my own emotions and in reverse we have this uh, direct contextual relationship and it was those relationships that made that convinced me uh, back in the early days that uh, this was a uh, very real phenomena yeah, here we have um here we have one with a sick accent. This is a sick Australian accent. If you can get this, you're doing really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is an Australian guy on TV, <clears throat> and his accent's thicker than mine because he's a native Australian, and uh, he's talking about how he found a whole extended family. So here's the forwards. And I was about 30, 35 and I found out that my father was alive. How did you find out? Um, it's just through word of mouth. Okay, now I'm going to run that section backwards, a little small section. Listen carefully, see if you can hear what he's saying. I have an older sister. I have an older sister. I have an older sister. What do you hear?
0: I have an older sister?
1: Yeah, exactly right. I have an older <laughs> sister. Exactly right. And let me run it forwards and hear what he's saying next. He's talking a different one. The same with, uh... But I mean, what what someone was said to, something was said to you, was it? Yeah, I just talked to different ones about it because I was sort of trying to trace a sister,
3: one of my sisters. So you found out that you had sisters and brothers? Yeah, I I knew all along I I had
1: one sister. Hmm. So he says it backwards first, that's what he's thinking, and then he starts talking about his sister. So, uh, so, uh, so it, it was those type of things that convinced me back in the early days and i was really onto something here you know um and especially when people can hear the reversals without me telling them and that's the real kicker because um you know one of the uh one of the common criticisms about well there's two common criticisms the One of the ones is it's all pareidolia. You know, uh, if you look in the clouds, you can see pictures. Uh, Right, right. If you play tapes backwards, you can hear voices. Whilst I understand that criticism, and certainly there are many sections of backwards tapes that don't have intelligent phrases, and so it is possible to imagine the gibberish, but amongst the gibberish, there's very clear phrases occur that can be heard by others quite clearly and even Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, who studied my work, claimed, stated in their report, we don't deny that Oates has found valid examples of backward messages. That being the case, the other criticism is it's coincidence. You play any section of speech backwards, you're bound to find a word here or there or a sentence here or there. My argument to that is, look, these are occurring once every 15 or 20 seconds. They're in complete grammatically correct sentences. They usually relate directly to the forward dialogue. I mean, what are the odds of that occurring by pure chance?
0: Do you ever have examples, for instance, when you're analyzing this speech, do you ever have examples where it is just gibberish? There is no significance to the backward speech.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, There's some sections where you don't find anything. I mean, particularly when you do uh, media broadcasts. I mean, I can do a half-an-hour media tape and find nothing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is, which well, they're
0: not saying much when they're speaking forward most of the
1: time. <laughs> no, I know. It's very frustrating. But in normal conversation, no, you know, normal everyday conversation or when I'm doing my, you know, I, I I use this in my therapeutic practice when I work with the clients. You know, I'll find them once every 30 seconds or so, you know. so. Well,
0: in in keeping t- in the tone of the, of the conspiracy show and kind of my conspiratorial mindset, you know, when I think of, you know, I Buried Paul, the Beatles backwards thing, and also I think, wasn't it Led Zepp, was it Stairway to Heaven that had some satanic sure. thing or something backwards? Do you, I'm sure you've probably analyzed that.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, of course I have. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Stairway to Heaven, a classic Then Let me pull up some music reverse. Here we go. Okay, so, for example, uh, here is The Night Stalker, and this song was uh, Richard Ramirez listened to this song, The Night Stalker, over and over again. And it inspired a lot of his killing. So here we go. Me to your
2: room.
1: Here he sings backwards. Oh, listen to me. I'm from hell. Is
0: that is that ACDC? Sorry, I'm sorry. Is that ACDC? Who is
1: that? Yeah, that's ACDC. Okay, okay, and the okay. song And the song Night Night Stalker, and it was okay. this song that actually that song song. Now, I interrupted Prowler.
0: the backwards thing. Sorry about that.
1: No, that's okay. Now, this, this this is the song Night Prowler, and okay. uh, it was this song that Rich Ramirez listened to over and over again. And this has got a rather creepy reversal on it too. Listen to this. And here we hear him backwards saying the night stalker. Oh,
2: like
1: a... mm. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> bit bit, bit <laughs> freaky So yeah. yeah, look I've I've got well, can can your conspiratorial show boy boy i can i can go into the jbks station and 911 oh yeah i've done them all i've done them all So uh, yeah. uh that will be for future shows folks
0: well yeah you, apparently you're going to be on every month i mean i, I won't get to to host it uh, but every so often but uh i and again i just i just remember as uh, the I Buried paul and that, what what is it that the now, the lead's up on the stairway to heaven. What, what is it that they say backward? It's something about Satan, right? What is the base yeah,
1: right yeah, there? It's my sweet Satan, the one whose okay. little path would make me sad. His power is fake. And let me see if I can pull my hands up on that. Real quick. Uh, okay. Music, um, stairway, here we go. So, here is the fours of that famous section. <laughs>
2: Oh, 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 oh. If there's a butter
3: in your head, no, Don't be alarmed there It's just a sprinkling for
0: the make
1: As the fours and backward, it's my sweet Satan, the one little path would make me sad, whose power is fake. <laughs>
0: You hear, you hear yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, maybe the music is a little less clear than the, than the, this, uh, speech, but yeah, uh, I, I, I can hear, I think you can hear that pretty clearly.
1: Yeah, 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 that's pretty, yeah, well, it was that song that really got the whole thing started. I yeah, it's yeah. Top 40 of Batmast songs, it was that one by Stairway to Heaven. Yeah,
0: yeah. And of course, it didn't take much of a leap because everybody knew that, uh, Jimmy Page and, um, I'm forgetting. Then the 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 lead Robert Plant were both, I think, uh, disciples of uh, Aleister Crowley, and were into that kind of satanic stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So it's not surprising to hear that type of thing on the music backwards, you know. Right, you'd expect
0: it.
1: Yeah, but then so 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 that's how so that's how I heard about it. You know, stairway to heaven and uh, and uh, what's the other one? Queen. The other one bites the dust. It's fun to smoke marijuana. (laughs) <laughs> so I started looking at all of those, but then I found reversals, backward messaging music that weren't satanic, like 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 this one here.
2: It was down in Louisiana, just about a mile from Texarkana, in their old back
1: Creedence Clearwater Revival, right. and there he says, I believe in my cool woman
0: wow that was really that was very clear yes.
1: yeah so i'm scratching my head i mean this is me back in 84 you know and i'm <laughs> scratching my head and i'm going what the dick is all this stuff
2: yeah. and
1: i was convinced it was there i mean i'm a ham radio operator so i'm used to audio you know i've been listening to ham radio signals for four years you know and my ears are pretty sharp and <laughs> and i'm going this is really weird. And uh, so I, I really, over six months, I've played all my music collection backwards and found hundreds and hundreds of these things. That, I mean, I would say only less than 5% of them were what I could call satanic. And it's a shame that they're the ones that got all the publicity back in the early days because yeah, there's a whole lot that weren't, you know. <laughs> and uh, But what the music... But then, when I found on a speech on Neil Armstrong walking on the moon, then uh, of course we—that's we, a whole other story. Did we go to the moon or not? i have got to do a whole show on that one, but that's another story together. Right. Uh, so, but then when I found it on Neil Armstrong, I'm going, "Well, Dickens, this is occurring as speech as well. What on earth is it? You know?" And then I found a second one. I found about 10 minutes after the Neil Armstrong, and this is uh, JFK's assassination. Just a moment, please. Something has happened in the motorcade route. Stand by, oh, please. God. Parkland Hospital, there has been a shooting. Parkland Hospital has been advised to stand
3: by for a severe gunshot wound. The president's car is now going past me. The
2: limousine is now travelling at a very high rate of speed.
1: And here I hear him say he's shot bad. Hold it. Try and look up.
0: That. Oh, all wow, I mean, I, well, I'm for someone like me who has researched the Kennedy assassination. I'm very familiar with that long lit that that recording is played. And I don't know if you know the story behind that, but that recording actually wasn't live. Supposedly, the, the uh, radio guy recorded it later at a later date or something. But it certainly sounds like someone,
1: someone someone told me that a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, either way, you know, yeah, that's
0: that's, that's amazing.
1: I know, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, uh, well do you
0: think, do you think the individuals that are doing this, I mean, are, I mean, I don't know, is there an ability where they consciously are able to put, oh, put, no, to put no, that? No, or?
1: no, it's not conscious. It's unconscious. I mean, the musicians were de- denying they did it, and they were quite right. They, they weren't doing it. It was another. It was the first sign of this dual communication process that all of us are speaking backwards. It's another function of language, and um, and what we we're hearing in music was the first sign of this. So um, and uh, and and of course, stairway to heaven, satanic. Yes, of course, there to heaven are into are into the occult. ACDC. negative messages they're also into the occult you know and so so it's not surprising if if that makes sense so uh, um so then no they weren't doing it deliberately it is the unconscious mind speaking and it's everywhere it's everywhere
0: well that this is fascinating um you know i again, this is all new to me other than again just hearing about the Beatles and LEDs up and all that but and you know knowing something about the j f k assassination even it's it 's fascinating stuff i 'm not sure what it means, but uh it's I mean, some of some of it is is clearer than I thought it would be. I thought like you mentioned earlier, a lot of people think well you 're just you know you 're hearing what you want to hear, but some of it is pretty clear
1: i know that 's what i say that 's what I say to people all the time hey don 't you know this is this is clear as some of this stuff is clearer than, clearer than the for, than the forwards at some time you know so that's so true. look yeah so there you go that's your first baptism of reverse speech <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: <laughs> you learn something new every day and i want to make sure uh, that uh you know you're you'll obviously be back next month i think at the same time and uh you want to is there anything you want to uh, your show uh, your episodes drop every thursday uh, and you can go to...
1: uh, Yes, uh, I don't know what I'll be doing next month. I don't know. We may even touch on the JFK assassination. I've got some at <laughs> I did. You're... I did uh, four months of research into the JFK assassination, all the audio I could find. So, yeah, I got some interesting revelations.
0: Well, you got you you you, you peaked my interest there because that's uh, that's my uh, main area of interest there. But uh, um, well, and yeah, and, yeah. and people that want more information go to speech dot. C A, or you can listen
1: to this driver,
0: yeah, Anything else you want to promote there?
1: Uh, no, that, uh, we've just released a new software which uh, called RS Video Pro, which is reversing vid- videos. And when you run videos backwards, the backward lip movements, mouth out the reversals. Plus, you see all these amazing body language links. It's link. really freaky. So there we go. Go to our website to get that, ReverseSpeech.com. Well,
0: that's, that's that's. I believe I've heard you on Rent, So you're on Jeff Rents quite often, aren't that's you? That's
1: right, young Jeff. Yeah.
0: Rents. I like so it. I first heard you, and I remember thinking, wow, what, what is going on here? Because uh, for those of us that, uh, you know, just, as a, just a, as a kid remembering, you know, when people started talking about their messages in and, and the, and the Beatles songs and Led Zeppelin and stuff, I said, you know, of course, that intrigues anyone, because you're thinking. But I was under the impression, oh, they're doing it on purpose, you know. Have you ever analyzed Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones? God only knows what that might say backwards. Uh,
1: you know what? No. Uh, actually, yes, I have, actually. It says the angered wolf
0: backwards. Oh, that's kind of boring.
1: <laughs> that's not what I would expect.
0: I would I would expect something re- really great for that because that's considered, you know, kind of a uh, an anthem for that kind of
1: uh <laughs> Yeah, it is, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Satanic auto, or whatever. Well, it's it's, you know, it's it's fascinating to learn something new, especially when you play that JFK assassination clip. I said I've heard that many times and I've never never thought to hear it played backwards and uh that was, that was some uh some very very interesting stuff so um, and I think I by listening again I'm, I'm co-hosting this I mean I'm guest hosting this this is the second time I've done it so I'm used to music coming up the music should be coming up that's why I was giving you uh, that, putting out that information there because I wanted to get it out before we had to go to break David John, thank you so much for being here and uh, you'll be back next month with Richard and we'll be right back after this with JFK Assassination Researcher and the man who invented reality TV John Barber
2: Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it
0: The
1: Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett.
0: We're back. This is uh, Donald Jeffries, guest hosting for Richard Sarrett on The Conspiracy Show. We have a real special guest now, someone who is one of my favorite people in the cyber world and the real world uh I, I we've become very good friends even though we're on other parts of the country and i'm i'm honored to have him as a friend he's a television pioneer he's a man who invented reality tv Is the creator and host of the number one show on television for three years real people stand-up comedian film critic jfk assassination uh, filmmaker who has uh, made a great film the uh JFK assassination, the second assassination of JFK, the media and the second assassination of JFK. Worked with Jim Garrison. Just delighted, always delighted to talk to John Barber. Welcome to the show, John.
3: Oh, Donald, I'm just absolutely delighted that you're doing this, and I'm thrilled to be talking to you for a number of reasons. First of all, not only are you one of my favorite writers, you are one of my favorite Facebook ranters, and so I love (laughs) to read the stuff that you post. And also, you're old enough to remember some of the things that I have to talk about. So so there you go. And it's appropriate that this is called the conspiracy show because maybe a lot of people who uh, doubted that we ever landed on the moon might have changed their minds with that first reverse speech example that Mr. Rhodes played about Neil Armstrong saying one small step for... A man and one giant leap for mankind and in reverse it says man will walk in space so evidently that may be proof that he was indeed walking walking in space he also said that refers speech as subconscious well it has to be self-conscious I don't know that I necessarily believe in that because I think if something is strong in the self-conscious it'll slip out as what they call a Freudian slip but if there is such a thing as reverse speech when somebody is speaking, let me ask you a question, and maybe you could make this an assignment uh, for him, because he said he's going to be coming back to talk about the JFK assassination. Not anybody's reverse speech, but is there such a thing as reverse speech if you're writing a speech? And what I would like to hear him do, and maybe you can assign him to do this, or Richard can assign him to do this, is the first time that Lyndon Johnson spoke to the country was almost at midnight after the assassination of John Kennedy. And he took out a piece of paper. He literally had to write down the grief that he felt. (laughs) <laughs> because it certainly didn't come from the heart.
2: No. <laughs> so I
3: love that if you have Mr. Oates, go find that particular clip shot in Washington, D.C. at the airport where he's looking down at his nose <laughs> to talk about how bad he feels. You have him on and see what, see what, see what LBG, LBJ said in reverse, maybe... maybe Uh, But I I would doubt that you could have reverse speech if you're writing something. Only when you're ad-libbing or talking about something. Anyway, I have had a very, very entertaining day. You might ask (laughs) me why. Yes, why? (laughs) Well, I must tell you, when I first heard that Epstein committed suicide... I was reminded of the immortal words of Gomer Pyle, who said,
0: <laughs> "Surprise! Surprise! Surprise!" <laughs> now, for the for, for those that don't know, I'm in the audience, you you one of the many things you did. You were a uh, a, a screenwriter, and you wrote some episodes of Gomer Pyle, correct?
3: Well, I only w- wrote one episode. As a matter of fact, okay, it's funny. I, I quit writing sitcoms after that. I, I was working with a guy named Whitey Gordon Mitchell. Whitey mm-hmm. Mitchell was uh, the country's third best pe- bass player. His brother, Red Mitchell, was Ella Fitzgerald's bass player. Mm-hmm. And Whitey uh, was with the um, Benny Goodman Orchestra. And he recorded a lot of albums with Eddie Fisher... Matter of fact he told me a funny story about Eddie Fisher. Do you remember Eddie Fisher?
0: Sure, sure.
3: Oh yeah, he had Oh Mine Papa and I'm walking behind sure. you. I mean not, yeah, Carrie, I Carrie me. Fisher's father, yeah, sure. Yeah, well he had a number of number one hits.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And Whitey said that when they had recording sessions, he said Eddie had absolutely no sense of timing which is remarkable because he really had a beautiful voice and the records are lovely. They literally had to have a guy stand next to him and tap him on the shoulders when it was time to sing the next block. But in any (laughs) event, uh, he called me when I was a struggling uh, comedian. My closest friend was a fellow named uh, Mort Lockman, who had been Bob Hope's head head writer for 20 or 25 years. And I got a call from Whitey one day when I was out of work. And I was out of work a lot as a stand-up comic when I was starting. And he said that, uh, uh, you know, when he's 50, he doesn't want to be a bass player any longer. And I said, well, I don't blame him. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to be a comedy writer. I want to write. I want to write sitcoms. And so I, I met Mort Lockman, and Mort Lockman said, well, you know, it's easier if you have a partner. I have a partner. His name is Bill Larkin. Why don't you just call John Barber? He's out of work a lot. I mean, <laughs> he may, may want to do something creative and financial while he's waiting for his next gig. And I said to him, uh, you know, I'd be happy to talk to you, but I'm not really interested in this. But if you want to come by the house, come by the house. I needed somebody to talk to and to try to send jokes on. Anyway, he showed up. He had two or three kids. His wife was quite religious and sang in the Bel Air Choir. And the reason I bring that up is there a point, there's a point about this a little later. Anyway, he said to me, um, what would you do if you were going to be a comedy writer? And I said, well, you know, you have to write everything on spec. Nobody's going to give you a job. And he said, well, if you were going to write something, what would you write? And I said, I would look at my favorite show. And then I would write a script about it on spec. And he said, what's your favorite show? And I said, well, my son's godfather, Chris Hayward, is one of the producers in Writer's on Get Smart. And that's my favorite <laughs> show with Don Adams. right That'd you believe? And so he said, would he said, he said, did you write one with me? As a matter of fact, I was in one. Chris would put me in one. Uh, I was the victim. I was in a crate and I was stuck in there with a gorilla and you can hear me
0: screaming. That was oh, It's a great, great show. Missed it by that much. And he had so yeah, many great yeah. lines. It was, it was great. Yeah. Would you believe? Anyway, would you believe?
3: Uh, he said, uh, Would you write one with me? And I said, you know, I don't want to be a writer, you know. And I said, I'm not a writer. He said, but you write jokes. They're great jokes. I said, I write it because I have to. Because I, you know, because I can't find stuff that's funny enough to steal or original enough to steal. I've only stolen two lines ever in my life, but I always attribute it to somebody. And the favorite person I steal from is Mark Twain. And I often say, as Mark Twain said, if voting made a difference, they wouldn't let us do it. You know, anything like that. So he said, "Uh, please, I don't want to be a bass player when I'm 50. And I said, okay, (laughs) uh, I I will do it. He said, well, if you were going to do it, what would you write about? And I said, well, you know, the big villain in Get Smart is chaos. Remember chaos?
0: Oh, yes, it, yes, yes. Yeah.
3: And get smart. I said, yeah. well, the biggest thing in the country right now is green stamps. Now, I don't know if anybody <laughs> except you and I remember what green stamps are. Yeah. But, uh, green,
0: tell the audience what green
3: stamps were.
0: Well, you you had uh, green stamps. Well, we were going to go for a break in a second, but you, you had we had green stamps in our area. We had yellow stamps too, and I mean, one one was at one grocery store, Another was in another grocery store. But you could if you you had to get a whole lot of them, though. You got a little bit every time you went to purchase something, and then they would you could get a catalog. And if you got a certain, you know, if you got like a million or something, you could get a, a pretty decent gift. But they had like you know things you could win. We, I always kept. I don't know if we ever got anything. I, I don't know if we ever accumulated enough to get. I guess we did, but it wasn't anything anything really uh, to really write home about or anything but uh, you know so that's you know, who, with, you know yeah if, if you went shopping you would be hold on, John I crazy. hear I hear the music I'm sorry we, we, we have oh, to go to break okay, and we okay, come back right. lots more great stories with the Hollywood veteran JFK guru John Barber we'll be right back after these messages
2: Listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Satt from Zoomer Radio. Welcome
1: back
0: to The Conspiracy Show. With Richard Serrett, this is Donald Jeffries, your guest host. We're talking with John Barber. Before we get back to John Barber's story about green stamps, I, I, we should mention at this time that uh, John has a, a great new book out, uh, which is a, a memoir of his long, legendary career in show business, uh, his kind of uh, Dickensian life, David Copperfield type of uh of uh, rags to riches story and uh, his work with jim garrison in the jfk assassination it's called your mother's not a virgin the bumpy life and times of the canadian dropout who changed the face of american tv so everybody needs to go out and get that because you are you're, you're going to get a taste of some of the stories here uh tonight but uh it's just a, they're just an endless uh, array of these kinds of stories fascinating anecdotes from john in the uh in the book. So, anyhow, John, so I'm sorry that we're interrupted. You were, you were talking about Green Stamp, so you want to finish that story?
3: Yes, I'll finish that story. And again, thanks for the plug about the book. And I should tell your audience that you wrote an absolutely brilliant forward to the book, and you replaced Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison, as you know, along with Nabokov and Ray Bradbury, one of the greatest science fiction writers ever, yes. and uh, I, he was on almost every show that I did, and he uh, the last appearance he had on the internet radio show was my show, but a year ago he had a stroke, and he was hoping to live long enough to read the book, because there are very funny stories about him and the book, and sadly he did not, because he said he would like to write the foreword, but I must tell you Nobody, nobody could have done it as well as you. So anyway, back to the green stamps thing. I said, uh, "Whitey," I said, "Whitey, you know what? Uh, By the way, that's owned by the Rockefellers. The green stamps were owned by the Rockefellers." And I said, "You know, we could make a lot of uh, 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 hay and press. What we'll do is, we'll write a script on spec about chaos." counterfeiting green stamps to destroy the American economy and the (laughs) Rockefellers. So that's what we did. And somehow or another, he got it to somebody at Desilu Productions and it worked its way all the way up to Desi Arnaz. And we got a call to come in and meet with Desi Arnaz. And I was really thrilled because I absolutely loved, I love... uh, Lucy, and in the book there's an absolutely fantastic story. It's a late night dinner I had with George Goebel, and he tells us how Lucille Ball became accidentally the wealthiest, most powerful female in the entertainment business. But I won't get into that, but I was anxious to meet Desi because he's a guy that invented shooting a show with three cameras and an audience. And in any event, it was very disappointing because he wasn't this Bobaloo guy we saw singing Bobaloo and playing the bongo. <laughs> he looked like Orson Welles. <laughs> he was huge. He couldn't even tie his tie because he couldn't tie the top button of his shirt. And he was sweating <laughs> profusely. And he was obviously drunk. But anyway, we ended up. Whitey and I, we did uh, the Tammy Grimes show, My Mother the Car, and Gomer Pyle, and I quit after the fourth script because the way we would work, and then uh uh, tell you a cute story about Whitey and another cute story about Whitey in a minute, the way we would work, he would sit at the typewriter, and I would pace the room, and I would do all the voices, even if he talked to me about a line and I'd repeat it, he'd write it down. So we're doing uh, a, a Get Smart, and I'm, I'm walking around trying to sound like Don Adams. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> way I could do it. But it, the last script we did was Gomer Pyle. And I just hated walking around that room trying to sound like Gomer Pyle. And I hollered at it, I quit. I quit. But before we, I, I quit, we were invited, you know, in, the, in that day and age, the Writers Guild used to have the best show in America about show business. You see the Tony Awards in New York, at best, are fair. The Academy Awards have been a disaster ever since Bob Hope stopped hosting them 25 <laughs> or 30 years ago. They're so bad, now they're not even going to have a host. That's how awful yeah. this post was. Anyway, uh, we sat in on a meeting. When I first started as a comedian, I did everything was a one-line joke because that's what stand-ups did. Bob Hope and Jack Barr, Johnny Carson. So, and I wrote really good jokes, but I loved the routines of Lenny Bruce. You know, he had an album. The sick humor of Lenny Bruce showed him have the cover of the album as him having a picnic at a graveyard amongst the gravestones. I mean, he had this great, he was called the sick comedian, you might remember. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the routines that I wrote, I loved the routine, and I only got to perform it once, was this unemployed Jewish carpenter who 2,000 years ago, and goes into the employment office, and the only job he can get is one building wooden crosses for Romans. So,
0: <laughs> I like this really funny
3: routine about it.
0: We'll be right back after these messages with more John Barber.
2: Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
0: And we're back. This is Donald Jeffries filling in tonight for Richard Serrett on The Conspiracy Show. John Barber, uh, we interrupted you again. That's probably going to happen a lot. The more commercials well, maybe than you're used to. So <laughs> so uh, go ahead and finish what you were saying.
3: Okay, I'll get to the end quickly because I didn't know the time would be flying this fast to get ready to get it over. And we had, so I had, they had that show, and the, uh, the head writer was Hal Cantor, who was also the head writer of the Academy Awards for 25 years, became a huge fan of mine, helped me get my first television break. But in any event, uh, Neil Simon was there, and a dozen other the great writers, and we were totally in awe. Absolutely, totally in awe. And also there was Groucher Marx. And Groucher Marx, of course, was one of my childhood heroes. Every comic, Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy, I haunted movie theaters, so they were all my heroes. Anyway, Hal Cantor wrote what I thought was a very funny opening, for, because Groucher was going to be the MC of the show. Groucher said, Hal, what's my opening? And so Hal starts to hum, thanks for the memory, da 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 dum, da 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 dum. And we hear that music, Groucho, for a while. Then the curtain opens and nobody's there and you walk out and you say, isn't it great to hear that music and not have that guy show up? Which is a very <laughs> funny line. And <laughs> yeah. Groucho Mark said, I'm not doing that. And I was nobody. Nobody. And I said, Mr. Marks, why not? And then he looked at me like I was a nobody. And I yeah. said, That's funny. He said, I'm not putting down Bob Hope. So what else have you got, Hal? So Hal said, Well, here's your next line. I wanted to do some jokes about Lou Wasserman, the head of Universal and MCA. But I hate to do jokes about dogs when they're up. <laughs> <laughs> and Groucher said I'm not doing that so Hal says well what are you going to do for God's sake he said well I'm going to have six beautiful girls carrying me out the way I've done for 40 years and Hal said well that's old hat and Groucho said it's old hat because it works and that's what I'm going to do and he did it and it was so god awful corny quite honestly and it bombed (laughs) the two hits of the show were Neil Simon's skit with Walter Matthau, who on stage was the most charismatic actor I ever saw. On screen, it was Cary Grant, but on stage it was. And then the other hit was the skit that we did about my uh, unemployed carpenter. So we had agents (laughs) looking all over for us, and we signed with an agent, and as soon as we signed with an agent, I quit. I told Woody, I can't do this anymore. And then I felt bad because the very next day, his wife ran off with the choir master from Bel Air.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but folks, the, the the book is filled with it. And what what is what is really fascinating? Reading your book, having the, and then having the honor of writing the foreword to it, which I'm still amazed by. But I just I, I was astounded at your career because it is so many near. You had so many near misses. You were so close. You had a talk show for a week, or you know, you're the original show co co, co-, co- host of the Gong Gong Show. So many things. Working with the young Bryant Gumbel, uh, You know, going up up against uh, George. Carlin and stand-up you had so many uh, interactions with people that uh, became so big and and then you finally had at, tell us how you finally get real people which ends up being the number one show on television and it
3: all happened by accident but the last word about Whitey because I felt so bad because here you know we got an agent and I'm deserting him I just can't do it anymore he found a fellow, he's a one armed writer, his name was Lloyd Turner. And guess what they ended up writing for five years? Mm, I don't know. Mork and Mindy with Robin Williams. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he he died rich ten years ago in Palm Springs, where he retired. Every weekend he played golf and he played his bass. He died. Died died ten years ago. But you know, one thing that I see that when well, I look around at the news now and how laughable it is. Do you know that in Poland they're now doing American justice jokes? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. we are the laughing stock of the world, mm. made more of a laughing stock by this nonsense of uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. And you know what? Everything since 1963 about our government and media has become absolutely and totally laughable. And the wonderful thing about it to me, thank God that I decided long, long ago to become a comedy writer and a comic because I got to look at these horrors and turn it into funny fertilizer, which I succeeded in doing. But I see now that Americans are just busting out all over the place, laughing at the charade of the
0: Epstein
3: suicide.
0: Yeah, everybody Uh, sounds like a conspiracy theorist now. I mean, nobody's buying it. No, absolutely no one. But, you know, uh, the first thing that I got,
3: you remember One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Ass, a great movie with Jack Nicholson, I think sure. it was the first movie that Michael Douglas produced. Remember it?
0: Yeah, great movie.
3: Yeah. Do you remember the name of the nurse?
0: Nurse Ratchet.
3: That's it. <laughs> See, that's why I love talking to you. You can remember that. Nurse Ratchet. Okay. The first thing I got, uh, in, uh, sent to me by Messenger, I have like four or five thousand friends, and a lot of them are very, very funny. This guy made a picture of Nurse Ratchet and inserted Hillary Clinton's face in it. This was, was, was ex teens nurse. Brought him the pills. Brought him the rope. And then, and then somebody else cobbled together. I guess they do it in what they call Photoshop. It was a picture. I of saw that. Yeah. And Hillary and Bill Clinton sitting side by side on the couch and they're laughing their heads off for their asses.
2: So they hear,
3: they hear that Epstein is dead. So I captioned it underneath. I just love doing this, taking pictures and putting captions. And I have Hillary saying, Oh God, that Epstein, he was hung. And, Bill, and then Bill says, do you mean by a rope? <laughs> I said,
2: yeah. they,
3: they, some guy in New York said he was shocked by Epstein's passing. He was in another car.
2: <laughs>
0: well there's also there were also some uh, memes out you there with was, uh, with Juan upcoming. Juan Epstein from Welcome Back Cotter. They, they had a little play on that too. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Mueller's investigation will prove Epstein was suicided by the Russians. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh yeah, well you know there's a the Joe Scarborough that he joked about that. That's our that's our American journalist. That's that's the kind of investigating they do. He basically inferred that it was the Russians doing it. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh,
3: somebody wrote me and said, "Hold it a second, uh, why why didn't they give him bail?" And <laughs> I said. Answered back and posted it. The reason Epstein was denied bail was because the authorities were afraid he'd skip the country and not have the mm-hmm. opportunity to hang himself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, you it know, certainly it certainly yeah, has kept people busy was, on social media talking about it. I, I I love it, you know, because it is so obvious. It's so obvious. A month ago, Epstein is on suicide watch. He attempts it, and they revive him. And now that they're convinced he'll kill himself, they cancel
2: the watch.
0: John, we're at at the top of the hour, and we'll be right back after these words with more John Barber.